Recovery Elevator, episode 73. You know, normal drinkers don't ever wonder if they're drinking too much. (laughs) So if you're questioning if you're drinking too much, you probably are drinking too much. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. According to the Recovery Elevator sobriety tracker on my phone, I have been sober for 22 months. On today's podcast, we've got Barb. She's been trying to get sober for quite some time now. At one moment, she even had 4.5 years of sobriety. At the time of this interview, she's got a whopping 15 days of sobriety, and I don't say that lightly. 15 days is a great amount to build on. Before we get into the topic for today, let's hear from Cafe RE. Before I got sober, I felt alone. It felt like I was the only one in the whole world who found it extremely difficult to stop drinking once I had started. With Cafe RE, I now know I'm not alone. In fact, there are so many people all around this world just like me. In Cafe RE, for $12 a month, I get access to a private, unsearchable Facebook group where I can connect with other like-minded individuals, meet with them face-to-face in several weekly live webinars and meetings, I can get paired with an accountability partner who has a similar sobriety date as mine, I can attend in-person meetups and attend exclusive sober trips to places like Costa Rica. If there's one thing I've learned in sobriety, it's that I can't do this alone. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code ELEVATOR for your first month free. Again, use the promo code ELEVATOR when signing up for your first month free. Well, it turns out our founding fathers were a bunch of booze hounds. Now you're probably thinking, wow, Paul, today's July 11th. It would have been real cool to come out with this podcast on July 4th, you know, America's Independence Day. But hey, that's why there's erasers on the end of pencils, because no one's really perfect. I got the idea for this topic from an article I read in The Influence called, Which One of Our Founding Fathers Was the Biggest Lush? You can go to recoveryelevator.com episode 73 and find a link to the article in The Influence. Now after I talk about our founding fathers, I'm going to try to make a correlation. They all have something in common. No, it's not the terrible haircuts or wigs. It's something more relative to the podcast. So here we go. When they weren't busy starting America, these guys drank. Heavy alcohol consumption was the norm in the 18th century in America. Apparently, colonists created such concoctions called the rattle skull, the flip, the bombo, the mimbo, the whiskey belly, and the silly bub. Now, if you're a hipster and you're thinking about creating a Revolutionary War speakeasy, those are some drinks I would definitely incorporate on the menu. Here's a quote from a colonist in the 18th century. If I take a settler after my coffee, a cooler at 9, a bracer at 10, a wetter at 11, or two or three stiffeners during the forenoon, who has any right to complain? That either is great banter for foreplay or a great you-might-be-an-alcoholic gift line. Now our founding fathers, they were no exception. Although Ben Franklin did have some sage words about overdoing it. He was quoted saying, Nothing is more like a fool than a drunken man. Yep, that was me about no shortage of times. If we were to rank our founding fathers of which one was the biggest booze hound, who would come in the lead? Let's talk about George Washington. America's first president oversaw America's largest whiskey distillery on his estate. He also kept his soldiers well stocked with booze, according to MountVernon.com. As it turns out, booze is pretty essential to convincing people to run off and fight a war. According to the Thrillist, he drank a bottle of Madeira at night, accompanied by rum or beer. He made sure the booze flowed on special occasions, reportedly spending today's equivalent of $15,000 on alcohol for his farewell party. His large wooden teeth would get so stained with booze that he'd regularly have to have them replaced. 
Keep in mind, this was the time before the swamp cooler had been invented. It was probably really uncomfortable just to be around those days. However, George Washington is quoted saying, an aching head and trembling limbs, which are inevitable effects of drinking, disincline the hands from work. Hence begins sloth and that listlessness which ends in idleness. How did George Washington die? He died of a throat infection. Think about that for a second. So we're going to go ahead and give George Washington a 5 out of 10 of the You Might Be an Alcoholic gift scale. Now let's talk about John Adams. The following commentaries from a French dignitary, Moreau Saint-Marie. So he's describing a dinner with the Adams. The Adams washed down everything with cider, weak or strong beer, then white wine. They kept drinking right through dessert, toward the end of which any ladies leave the table and withdraw by themselves, leaving the men free to drink as much as they please. Because the bottles then go round and round continuously, each man pouring for himself. Toasts are drunk, cigars are lighted, and diners run to the corners of the room hunting night tables and vases which will enable them to hold a greater amount of liquor. Keep in mind that the dinner party that Moreau de Saint-Marie was commenting on took place before Netflix came out and I'm pretty sure before the VCR was invented, so there probably wasn't much to do. Apparently, John Adams started his day with a small amount of cider and apparently kept up with much younger men well into his 40s, where he died at age 43, which was right around the life expectancy at that time. Just kidding. I'm not sure the age he died. John Adams, you get a 6 out of 10 on the You Might Be an Alcoholic gift scale. Now let's talk about Ethan Allen. A businessman and theologian, Ethan Allen helped lead a militia that captured Fort Ticonderoga during the Revolutionary War. When Allen was captured by the British, he messed with him so much that they were likely happy to get rid of him in a prison exchange. According to the Journal of the American Revolution, man I'm subscribing to the wrong magazines, he constantly spat off insults at them and once bit off a nail from one of his handcuffs. He also demanded booze from his captors and got wasted and started bar fights in the parole area. What? There was a bar in the parole area? The legend surrounding Ethan Hawke, or Allen or whatever, says once a snake bit him, and instead of the venom poisoning Ethan Allen, the snake became drunk and passed out and died. Is it true? Who knows? We'll probably never know. But I do know, if I was a snake, I sure as hell wouldn't want to bite Paul Churchill during the years of 2000 to 2014. Ethan Hawke Allen got a score of 8 out of 10 on the You Might Be an Alcoholic gift scale. Next up, let's talk about Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson apparently imported fancy European wines and opened a vineyard on his estate, probably to up his property value. But uncommonly for his day, he didn't start the day with alcohol. Here he describes his relatively moderate drinking habits. A double, however, the doctor's glass and a half of wine, and even treble it with a friend, but have its effects by drinking the weak wines only. Ardent wines I cannot drink, nor do I use ardent spirits in any form. Malt liquors and cider are my table drinks, and my breakfast, like that also of my friend, is of tea and coffee. Weak, Tommy. That's going to get a score of 4 out of 10 on the You Might Be an Alcoholic gift scale. Now let's talk about John Hancock. I'm pretty sure it's Herbie, but it says John Hancock, so we'll stick with that. John Hancock was notorious for guzzling massive amounts of hard cider in the taverns of his native Boston town. He was also an importer of rum. Historian Eric Burns has said, George Washington slept here is far less accurate than John Hancock drank here, according to Drunkard.com. For good measure, he also smuggled rum and helped foment anti-British sentiment in the pubs and taverns. Herbie's score is a 6 out of 10 on the You Might Be an Alcoholic gift scale. What do these founding fathers have in common? Well, they all were a big part of starting a pretty cool country. 
But the correlation I'd like to make, and I could be wrong, is our founding fathers were probably normal drinkers. I'm not doubting they consumed a lot of alcohol, and maybe some of them were alcoholic. What I'm getting at is, I don't think they were addicted to alcohol. I don't think they suffered from alcoholism, from addiction. Roughly 10 to 12% of the population has the genetic predisposition to become addicted to alcohol. I'm pretty sure George, John, Ethan, Thomas, and Herbie were all normal drinkers that didn't quite have the luxury of watching the Denver Broncos win the Super Bowl. I do know one thing's for sure. I'm thankful to be living today, in 2016. I'm not sure what the life expectancy was in the 18th century, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have seen my 30s. In fact, last night I watched HBO's Vinyl, episode one. I'm pretty sure if I was born in the 60s and lived in the 70s, I wouldn't have seen the 80s. I'm serious with that. I'm lucky. I'm very lucky to be behind the microphone right now, sober. So happy 4th, happy 11th of July. And George Washington with your quote, Nothing is more like a fool than a drunken man. George, call me a fool no more. Well, at least for today, George, you won't be calling me a fool. Okay, let's hear from our interviewee, Barb. Barb, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Barb. Let's get right into this. How long have you been sober? Well, according to my recovery elevator uh, sobriety tracker, it's been two weeks and one day. Nice job. Two weeks and one day. And Barb, before we get further into the interview, tell us a little bit about yourself. Maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, how old you are, do you have a family? What do you like to do for fun? Well, I am 52 years old. I have been a hairdresser for 33 years. I own my own salon. I am married. I um, have been married for three years, and he's my favorite husband so far. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're doing good. I have a 27-year-old son, a 25-year-old daughter, a 17-year-old stepdaughter, and a 14-year-old stepson, and uh, we love cycling. I love to ride my bike and I'm an avid crafter. I love to uh, paint furniture and, and just create beautiful things. Nice. Now tell me about the podcast title recovery elevator. Tell me about your elevator. Did you decide to quit drinking two weeks and one day ago, or did you try previously before that? Oh no, I've, I've been trying on and off since February of this year. I've had, uh, I've had some trouble staying on track. I made it 60 days and then I lapsed and, you know, I've gone back and forth the last few months, but this is my, uh, my current attempt. And so far I'm feeling pretty strong. I'm feeling good. So I actually didn't even really realize that I was on the elevator. (laughs) (laughs) Many people don't, Barb. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know. My daughter is an alcoholic and we've had all the stereotypical drama that you would expect to go with alcoholism. And with her the last few years, it's been DUIs and in and out of jail and suicide attempts and hospitalizations and all that kind of stuff. So I've been very focused on helping her. And so I didn't even realize it, that I'd gotten on the elevator with her. Uh, And, and uh, it was, it was last uh, year sometime. I, I started thinking to myself, you know, I'm just drinking too much. And every morning I was saying to my husband, you know, I just, I'm just drinking too much. I just don't like the way I feel today. And, you know, when that first hour of your day is spent reviewing your phone to see who you've texted the night before and, you know, what you posted on Facebook, it's like I had to kind of 
relive my evening every morning because I didn't really re- remember what I had been doing. And, and I think it was like, I started getting to work in the morning and I noticed that my, my hands were shaking, you know, and I work with razors. That's not good. Yeah. So my hands were shaking and, um, I was, I was feeling tired and I just noticed that I, I had clients showing up that I had booked the night, you know, at night when I was drinking and I didn't remember that I had booked them. So they weren't on my calendar. So I had people showing up. So it started affecting my work. And that's when I started realizing that, you know, Ooh, I, uh, I need to kind of pay attention to this. <laughs> sure. And was it in February of this year when you first realized, is that, was that what you said? Yeah, it was, it was in February of uh, 2016 that I started, you know, I started Googling things like, how do you know you're an alcoholic or, you know, how, how can you tell if you have a problem with alcohol? I'm looking up all this information online. I'm trying to figure out. And then, you know, now I realize that, you know, normal drinkers don't ever wonder if they're drinking too much. <laughs> so if you're questioning if you're drinking too much, you probably are drinking too much. Barb, so, you um, just dropped a huge value bomb right there, which can answer a very complex question very simply is, if you ever Google the phrase, am I drinking too much? That's probably your answer right there. Yeah, right, right. And, you know, at the time, I, I just was thinking... You know, it's like I was using, you know, I'm not a very dramatic person, but I've had a lot of drama in my life. And I think that I've used alcohol to kind of self-medicate that over the years. And, you know, it was always, you know, oh, my gosh, my daughter's been arrested again. You know, I need a drink or, you know, I've had a stressful day. I need a drink. So I that was always kind of like my go to to self-medicate you know, my, my drama. And, um, so yeah, so I finally started paying attention to, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing this too much. And, uh, so that's how I kind of, that's how I discovered recovery elevator actually, is I was, you know, Googling, I'm looking for podcasts on how to, uh, rescue my daughter. And, uh, I started listening to the podcast and, uh, it was probably January right in there that I started listening to things. And as I was listening to them, I kept thinking, you know, gosh, I have a lot of similarities with these people. Maybe I do have an issue. So, Well, Barb, what you just said right there is you're like, wow, I might have a little, I have a lot of similarities with these people. It sounded like you listened when you were about ready or you were ready to quit drinking. And talk to me about your drinking habits, Barb. How much did you drink? Oh my goodness. I had gradually, it kind of gradually escalated, you know, over, over a lifetime because I started drinking when I was 13. And uh, just kind of back and forth, I'd had 16 years where I didn't drink with my first husband. And then I started drinking when we separated. I went four and a half years another time where I didn't drink. And then I started drinking again. So it was back and forth. And uh, about eight years ago, I was was diagnosed with celiac disease. So, you know, I had always been kind of a beer drinker. So from there, it moved into liquor because liquor is gluten-free. So I started drinking more liquor and then it just kind of escalated. And my habits had gotten to be, you know, I would drink, it was nothing. If we opened a bottle, I would drink half the fifth or, and that was usually after we had gone out for a couple of drinks. So, you know, it was easily a half a fifth to a fifth a day that I was drinking. Now, alcoholics are really good at solving one problem and creating several more at the same time. For example, you're saying, oh, I just got diagnosed with celiac disease. I can't have beer. No problem. I'm just going to drink copious amounts of liquor. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's, we're, we're that's really one of my that. superpowers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's one of my superpowers. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this is, this is way faster too. Yeah. This is great. Oh yeah. And did you ever yeah. try to put plans into place, Barb? Like, uh, you know what? I'm not drinking before 5 PM. And did those plans ever work? <laughs> oh my gosh. 
it was it was every morning I would knuckle bump with my husband and go, okay, tonight we're not going to bring anything home. Or tonight if we have something at home, we're not going to have anything, you know, when we go out for dinner. Or, you know, we're not going to drink during the week. We're only going to drink on the weekends. Or I'm never going to drink on the nights before I have to work. Or, you know, two drinks and, and that's my limit. I'm always knuckle bumping and setting limits on my drinking. So, my, and my husband's a normie. I mean, he can drink you know, one beer and walk away, but I just don't seem to be able to do that. So, so yeah, I was always setting rules on it and, um, and no, no, none of them ever stuck. They usually would make it till about seven o'clock in the evening. And then I would be like, okay, well, let's just start this tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Those are, uh, those are the class yeah. book textbook rules. Uh, you know, I've put oh, all yeah. those rules in place and I've bombed all those rules, but how exhausting is that? so exhausting. It's, it's just exhausting. It's exhausting to, um, I work with people, I work with the public, I'm, I'm a hairdresser and, you know, of course I don't, I don't want my clients to know that I'm a train wreck. <laughs> so, so I go in every morning and, and it's exhausting to put on the show like I'm, I, like I'm normal, you know, like I, like I don't do this. So I'm, and it is, it's exhausting. I mean, I'm physically tired. I'm, I'm mentally tired. I'm emotionally tired. It's, it's very exhausting to have to live the kind of this double life, you know, because nobody really knows, you know, it's like the people that I have shared this with that I've, you know, become accountable with, uh, even my husband, he, he didn't really know how much I was drinking. Um, everybody's just surprised because nobody ever sees me drink. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it's just exhausting to, to live this double life. It's extremely exhausting. And Barb, we've all heard the word surrender and recovery. And I think that is when surrender arrives is when we are so exhausted. We are so sick and tired of being sick and tired where we've exhausted all of our resources. We all of our plans and genius thinking has just gone out the window. It doesn't work. And that is when we surrender and say, gosh, none of my plans work. My genius ideas and thinking have landed me in no better situation, in fact, a much worse situation, I guess I can't drink alcohol. And that's when the rubber hits the road. Now, can you, did you have a similar situation where you finally were just like, all right, these plans aren't working. I need to try something else. Well, yeah, I, um, I mean, it's just so many things. Like I said, I got to work and, you know, my hands were shaking. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, and I work in a mirror. So my clients could see this and, you know, it's like I, I was, you know, you can't explain some of the stuff off, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, it's like every day you just wake up and I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired of this that I finally just said, you know, I got to I got to do something. So, you know, I started to, uh, I use the recovery elevator page and talking to people, I realized that, you know, there's a lot of people that have been through what I'm going through and who are currently going through what I'm going through. And, you know, I always, I'm kind of the person who thinks, you know, I can do this myself. I don't, I don't need any help. I can do this myself, but that wasn't working for me. Barb, I knew you were just going to say that you were going to say I was on the, <laughs> I was on the recovery elevator page and I realized I was not alone. There were so many other people that were going through the same thing that I'm going through. And what I've realized, and I had to learn the hard way many times is I cannot do this alone. And I kind of want to bring that concept in with you and your daughter. Is this something that you two are working together at, or is this kind of like a contentious point in your relationship? You know, she's, she's on a different path than I wish that she was, you know, I wish that she would, she would see this, but in her mind, you know, she, she knows that she's an alcoholic, but 
she said she's an alcoholic and alcoholics drink and that's what she does. And so she's, she's going to drink. So she hasn't hit the bottom of her elevator. Um, and it, it breaks my heart to see this happening to her, but, um, she's, she's still on her elevator and it's, uh, I don't know how many bottoms she's going to have, but one of the things that I heard on the recovery elevator page that has kind of become my mantra was, that you know, what's happening to her is not happening to me and I need to separate that. So I have to focus on my own journey and get myself well. And I think that that's the best way that I can help her is if, if I'm well and I can handle this because I mean, I, I was getting those three you know, phone calls where, you know, she'd been arrested or she's walking down the road and she doesn't know where she where she is. Could I come find her or people calling, you know, we found, her passed out in a parking lot and we called mom on her phone, you know, you probably should come get her. And my first, my first feeling was like, Oh my gosh, I've had a half a fifth to drink. I can't get in my car and go save my daughter, (laughs) you know? So, you know, that was, that was kind of a terrifying feeling. So, so no, we're not, we're not going through this together. And when I tell her that, you know, I'll send her link to different podcasts that I think might apply to her and, she never really responds or anything. So, so we're not really on this journey together, even though I wish we were, but, um, she's just not, she's not there yet. She's not ready. I think at this moment in time, you guys might not be on the same path or journey to sobriety, but what you can do right now, Bob, I think you have a tremendous opportunity, which is to just lead by example. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. yeah. And and that, and that's the, that's the marathon. It's not a sprint. I'm sure as a, as a mother, a father, you just want to sit your son or daughter down and just tell them, but leading by example, she's going to notice it and it might take 10 years, which is, that's the hard part about this, but you have a tremendous opportunity to lead by example. And this is a link Barb to this podcast that you might want to send her and say, look, you know, I've been sober for two weeks and one day. It might not be <laughs> years, might not be months. But I'm trying. I'm doing my best. I'm creating accountability. I realize yeah. I could relapse. That's not the plan. But I'm going on a podcast to create accountability. I got a tremendous amount of respect for you to do that, Barb. It's it's amazing to, to hear these journeys, to hear these stories. That is by far my favorite part of Recovery Elevator. And Barb, what has been the hardest part about getting sober? I think it's been just kind of feeling my feels. You know, it's like I, like I said, I... I tend to uh, struggle with uh, situational and chronic depression and in my go-to to self-medicate is alcohol. So I think stepping back and saying, okay, wait a minute, you're having a down day today and, and it's justified. You, you should be feeling down because of what you've gone through. So go ahead and just feel it. I think it, that's the hardest part is, is allowing myself to feel the, the feels that I'm feeling, you know, so is letting myself feel the anxiety, letting myself feel the little bit of depression um, rather than just hiding it behind alcohol. Letting yourself feel the feelings and emotions and being okay with it. Barb, you and I, we basically played hide and go seek with our emotions for a long time and we won. We kicked ass at that game for a long time. And finally, <laughs> yeah. when our emotions find us, it's like, all right, okay, okay, game's over. You can hang out with me for a little bit. But you got to feel it. You got to go right <laughs> through it to get to it. Thank you, Pam. That was another interviewee on the podcast that I love that quote. Yeah. And Barb, talk to me. How did you do it? You got two weeks and one day. What does your recovery portfolio look like today? 
I, I use uh, the Recovery Elevator Facebook page a lot. My schedule, I have this crazy workaholic thing going on that that's my next thing that I need to deal with. But um, So meetings are hard for me to get to because I work all the time. So I haven't been able to attend any AA meetings or anything like that. So, so the Recovery Elevator page has been a big, huge thing for me. So I tune into that. I'm doing a lot of reading. I'm uh, working my way through uh, the uh, some books that I think are going to help. Um, I've become more and more accountable with the, my friends, my clientele. Um, there's certain people that I'm telling. Some people don't don't really need to know. You know, they just come in to get their hair cut. They don't they don't need to be my counselor. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but some people, you know, I've become more and more accountable. I'm I'm accountable with my my children. I've I've told both of them, my daughter and and my son. I've told both of them that I'm that I'm on this journey. And you know, my husband has been a, a wonderful support. You know, he doesn't really know what to do with me when I have lapsed. He just kind of looks at me like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, so he doesn't really know know when I have had my lapses uh, what to do. But every day I, I've been waking up the last two weeks and I'm, I'm attempting that 100%, you know, commitment rather than I think up until the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of a 98% committed. <laughs> so that always left that 2% chance that I was going to relapse. And I've been really trying to uh, deliberately be more 100% committed to this. So, so it's been good. I've been um, uh, exchanging phone numbers with a few people that I've met in Recovery Elevator. And, you know, we're texting back and forth and, and kind of doing check-ins and being just a little bit more accountable. So, so accountable. That's, uh, that's kind of what I'm doing. Yep. Accountable, checking in with other people because we can't do this alone. And Barb, you mentioned you're no. reading a couple books. In Cafe RE, we just launched the book club. Are you going to participate in the book club? I am. That's one of the books that I'm reading right now. And um, and I'm really excited about that because uh, I probably wouldn't have picked this book up to read it. And I'm, I'm fascinated with it. I'm reading um, The Naked Mind. And um, I have the 30-Day Sobriety Solution and um, a couple other books, First Year of Sobriety, or Keep It Simple. So there's um, lots of books that I'm referring to right now. And I've gotten the um, the information on these uh, on these books through Recovery Elevator. So me too, so that's, that's, Barb. It's it's been a tremendous resource for me. And it, and the, the title is called Naked Mind. And what it, it's like how to control your alcohol. Is that what it is? Yeah, and um, I'm I'm early in the book, so I've just started. But it's a lot of uh, like kind of a study on the unconscious mind versus the conscious mind, and and um, how to take control of your thinking. And um, and it's been huge for me to even just realize you know, in those first couple chapters that my unconscious mind is, is very strong. And I, and I find that all the time, like I'll be driving to work and my unconscious mind is telling me, you know, you know, you haven't had a drink in two weeks, you know, you probably don't have a problem after all. <laughs> and oh, then my conscious okay. mind is like stepping in and going, okay, wait a minute, get a grip. You do, you do. So, so, so would your unconscious yeah. mind almost be your addiction? Cause my addiction who I've personified as Gary or my unconscious mind just constantly lies to me in my own voice. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And you know, what's awesome about this book club is, uh, the actual author of the book is going to be attending the webinar. Did you see that post? I did. Isn't that exciting? That's I incredible. know. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. This was going to be <laughs> like Mrs. Yeah. Jones's 11th, my 11th grade, uh, literature class where I like skim through the book. I cannot have a repeat of that if the author is going to be in the webinar. So, um, I'm halfway through the table of contents right now. It actually got delivered like four days ago. 
just kidding. I've started like two chapters. It's a really good book and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. But Barb, we have reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within 30 to 60 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? I think so. Ms. Barb, number one, what, you don't, wait, hang on, Barb, Barber, that, I, I just put those two together. You're a barber and your name's Barb. Am I the first person to ever tell you that? <laughs> no, no, no. Mm-mm. Okay, it's pretty early in the morning right now. I, I'm sure that the dots would have connected a lot earlier. Okay, question number one, Barb. What was your worst memory from drinking? Oh, I got a lot of worst memories, but my most current worst memory from drinking is uh, my husband came in one morning and woke me up and asked me, you know, how I was feeling. And I said, you know, fine. Why? And he said, because uh, you drank an entire fifth last night by yourself. Uh, And I was just like, Oh my gosh, how did I do that? But the, the really sad thing about that is that um, my daughter was getting accolades in OWI court that morning and um, I was going to take her. So I had to take her to court and I was, I was crazy hung over and I know I smelled like vodka and there I was sitting in a room full of people who were court ordered, sober and I was and there I was you know it's like it was just a sick feeling so and Barb we've all heard of the aha moment did you ever have an oh shit moment indicating that you really couldn't control your drinking yeah probably you know every morning when we knuckle bump and every night when I blow it it's like oh shit I drank another half a fifth you know it's like yeah it's kind of just that and kind of my my oh shit moment too is you know, listening to some of these podcasts and, and, uh, thinking that I was listening to them to help my daughter. And the more I'm listening to them, I'm like, Oh shit, this is me. (laughs) Oh yeah. I love it. And Barb, what's your plan in sobriety moving forward? I'm just taking it one day and at some times I'm taking it one moment at a time. You know, I'm just like today I'm, I'm going to stay sober today. And I can't think about tomorrow. I can't commit to tomorrow right now because I'm I'm early enough in this, and and I've had enough uh, lapsing and relapsing in the last few months that I know I can't look ahead at, at one year. Even though I wish I could, even though I wish I could get excited and go, oh my gosh, a year from now I'm going to be sober. A year, I have to just look at this like today. I have to get through today. So that's how I'm, I'm taking this is just one moment at a time. And that is the best way to take it, Barb. And Barb, what's your favorite resource in recovery? Oh, absolutely. Recovery Elevator. It's, it's, uh, it's so wonderful to connect with people all around the world that can relate to me and that I can relate to them. And, you know, some of them, when I'm reading some of the posts and watching some of the videos, it's like some of them feel like my daughters and some of them feel like my sisters and some of them feel like, you know, my, my partners. It's like, I just, I just, uh, go there because I don't have to hide it. You know, on my regular Facebook, if everything's great, it's great. Everything's great, but you can get onto the recovery elevator and you can be a little more real because nobody's going to judge you there. You can really tell them, you know, today sucked. I want to drink and, uh, you know, I don't know how to get through this day. So it's just a great resource for me. And Barb, I know what you mean. It is liberating to have that outlet and a real genuine Facebook news feed. Seriously, because the, the news feed that we see, you know, that's not the cafe I read news feed. That's not real life at all. Uh, internet, the next question, Barb, in regards to sobriety, what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, it was without a doubt. Buddy made the uh, – he posted something one time about, you know, what's happening to them is not happening 
to me. And that's what I have to look at because, you know, it was really easy for me to go, oh my gosh, all this horrible stuff is happening in the world. I just need a drink or my dog's in jail again. I need a drink or my client, you know, was stressful today and I need to have a drink. So I just need to step back and realize that what's happening to everyone else is not happening to me. And Buddy, who has the wisdom of a thousand-year-old man, I think he was interviewed in podcast episode 63 or 64. Very good things to say about him. He's an incredible guy. And last question, what parting piece of guidance can you give to our listeners who are in recovery or are thinking about getting sober? Oh, I think, you know, life is just so much better when you're sober. It's like I, I always thought that I was having a great time and, you know, having a lot of fun when I was drinking, but I'm realizing that that I really wasn't, you know, when you have to get up every day and review, you know, what you did the night before. And I don't remember what I was watching. It's like life is really great. And it's so worth remembering that, you know, you just got to kind of keep hanging in there because everything just keeps getting better when you remember it, when you're actually present in your life. It's just life is good. So. And Barb, before we depart, give listeners your own personalized, you might be an alcoholic (laughs) if line. Well, I think you might be an alcoholic if you are, are listening to a podcast that ends with you might be an alcoholic and every single one of them you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's me. <laughs> so you might be an alcoholic if you can relate to all of the you might be an alcoholic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. 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 Somebody emailed me one of those a long time ago when the podcast first started. They're like, you might be an alcoholic if in iTunes you're searching, am I an alcoholic? And you find you this podcast. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's true. You might be an alcoholic if you're Googling, you know, how do I know if I'm an alcoholic? <laughs> exactly. But then yeah. you don't even put the pieces together at that moment. You're like, oh, great. There's a podcast that's going to help me solve it. But you don't, even need to, you don't even need to listen to episode one of Recovery Elevator if you're Googling, am I an alcoholic? Like, you just don't need to. Save <laughs> right. yourself the time. Yeah, you've already got the answer. So yeah, You already know. Yeah. Yeah. Barb, thank you yeah. so much for joining us. And thanks for being part of my recovery. I love the content you put in in the Facebook page, Cafe RE. You're doing it, Barb. In two weeks, one day, that's a lot of time, believe it or not. And that's a lot to build on. So thank you for, um, for joining us. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. Don't forget to support the Recovery Elevator podcast at shopping at Amazon. Use the link recoveryelevator.com forward slash Amazon and then do what you do. Make some purchases. Recovery Elevator, I've been sober for 22 months. For some reason, 24 months, that is the unicorn for me. I want to attain that and then keep moving forward. I want to be transparent on this podcast. I'm kind of struggling. I'm tired. My eyelids feel heavy. My pink cloud, not only did it change colors a long time ago, it's not even there right now. But thank goodness I've got this podcast. Thank goodness I have a program. I meet with my sponsor. I will soon have a sponsee because I don't know if I hadn't done this podcast, if I hadn't gotten a sponsor, if I hadn't connected, expanded my recovery portfolio and my recovery network in the ways that I have over the past 22 months, I don't know if I'd be sober right now. Playing the what if game when it comes to sobriety, that's no fun. I'd rather do way more work than required to stay sober rather than go with the old C's get degrees motto. One really cool thing about Recovery Elevator is the people that you meet. A couple weekends ago, I was invited to stay up in Big Sky with two listeners of this podcast. Thank you so much, Cameron and Christy, for having me and Ben at your place. And Cameron, I learned from you that we're both going for that capital S sobriety. Recovery Elevator, we took the elevator down. We've got to take the stairs back up. We can do this.